Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View, one of the most bittersweet days of the year, the day after Super Bowl Sunday. If you have work, I'm sorry. Uh, Luckily, I do not have work today, so that's nice. Um, One of the most bittersweet days of the year. Obviously, football is over. People are coming down off that high of watching the game. Obviously, if you're a Chiefs fan, you're feeling great. If you're an Eagles fan, you are probably a puddle. Um, The Eagles, tough break at the end. We'll talk about that that holding call that was made against Bradbury, his comments, uh, Mahomes and Hurts, and everything about it was just... It was one of the best Super Bowls that we've had in a long time. I think it was... Last year was really good. I think it was better than last year. It's easily, I think, the best Chiefs Super Bowl that we've seen. The one against the Niners was great, but this was just like super high scoring, quarterbacks going at each other, and basically who was going to get the ball last was going to win the game, and that's what happened with Mahomes and the Chiefs. So just really, really riveting game. Um, I bet on the Chiefs. So just personally, for a second, I'd like to thank Patrick Mahomes. Um To brag, this might just completely come back to bite me in the ass, but listen, when you're hot, you're hot. I hit every bet that I placed yesterday. I had a three-leg parlay, I had a four-leg parlay, and then I had Chiefs money line, which I doubled down on. Uh, Not at halftime when they were plus 300, because I'm too much of a coward when when they were down that. I got them at like plus 144. Doubled down on that. Um, So I, I made out like a bandit yesterday. It felt great. I'm on a total hot streak dating back to like... Friday, which is really only three days in a row, but I've hit every single bet. I feel great. Uh, I was not worried when the Chiefs were down by half, uh, down at half. I was not worried. It's just one of those things. Like I was thinking to myself, is this what Chiefs fans feel like every single week? And they actually had a. I think uh, what's the stat? It's when trailing at halftime, Patrick Mahomes has won like sixty percent of his games. It's crazy. He even said in his post game presser, he was like, "Listen, I wish I didn't have to fight back and, and and play. You know that like I have to come back from behind and win the game. I wish we were just leading the entire time, so it was a lot less stressful. But I feel like I play better when we're down, which they do. Um, and to be honest." The only thing that was keeping that game from being 24-7 to at the half was Jalen Hurts having the only turnover of the game on just a critical mistake where he just lost the ball. It kind of resembled almost um, in the AFC Championship game, the Chiefs and Bengals, when Mahomes went to go throw the football out uh, for a screen and he just lost it. Like it just came flying out of his hand and slipped out of his hand. And the Bengals recovered it. That's what happened here. But Hurts, he went to go run. And I don't know if they showed an exact replay of what happened. But best guess is maybe the ball, when he went to go run, he hit his arm when he was kicking up his leg to start running. And his thigh hit his arm. And the ball came flying out. Like literally flying out. He had absolutely no chance of recovering it. Because it it went like four yards away from him towards the uh, towards the numbers on, on the side of the field. And it was scooped up by the Chiefs, returned for a touchdown. That was a huge momentum shift. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs' defense felt great about that. They had to go back out there, and then the, uh, the Eagles came back down the field and kicked a field goal, I believe. That's 
how we went into the half, um, 24-14. But that was like a saving grace for the Chiefs because the Eagles' defense was playing really well in the first half. Uh, the second half, completely different story. Uh, Mahomes, especially in the fourth quarter, had his way. And you just get the breakdown. The Eagles, 7 in the first, 17 in the second, 3 in the third, 8 in the fourth. And the Chiefs, 7-7-7. Seven, 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 and then 17 in the fourth quarter to win 38-35. Uh, they just, like, it, it's Patrick Mahomes. And I was saying this a couple weeks ago, or maybe even last, no, not last week. A couple, definitely a couple weeks ago, I think. The video is on my TikTok. When I, I previewed a little bit the Super Bowl, and I was like, this is a great matchup, but I'm taking the Chiefs simply because sometimes it comes down to who is the better quarterback. Now, I was kind of half wrong in that regard because Jalen Hurts, low-key, was the best player on the field during the Super Bowl. He, This dude played absolutely out of his mind, okay? And before I, I, I go off on a tangent about J, how great Jalen Hurts has been, I want to just stick to the Chiefs for a second. Patrick Mahomes, when he got the ball back with five minutes left, I looked at my buddy who uh, also bet on the Chiefs. I said, this is it. I was like, the game's tied because the Eagles just scored. Game's tied. Patrick Mahomes has the ball with five minutes left. They're not getting the ball again. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Now, obviously, before we get into that holding uh, call, the Chiefs, Mahomes played great. Um... Isaiah Pacheco, outstanding running back and a guy that is going to be a key part of the Chiefs for the foreseeable future here because this dude runs hard. He never gives up. He plays through the pain. I just found out a couple weeks ago the tragedy that surrounds this kid, and it broke my heart. Uh, His brother and sister were murdered growing up uh, in Jersey. They were both murdered within like, I don't. I think not even two years of each other, just absolutely horrific circumstances to be a part of. And this kid, he goes to, he stays close to home. He goes to Rutgers. Now here he is, a Super Bowl champion. And uh, did he rush for a hundred yards? He came damn close. Uh, 70, 15 carries, seventy six yards, and a touchdown for Isaiah Pacheco. I took his over rushing, smashed that. Great kid. Great talent, like just another reason why you can prove there's a whole spreadsheet I found on Twitter. Um, The past like 15 Super Bowl winners, not a single one. Isaiah Pacheco is the highest paid out of all of them. Highest paid starting running back out of the past like 15 Super Bowl winners. Uh, And he gets like 800 or 600 something thousand dollars a year. So he's not making anything, and that's the whole thing where it's like you don't have to pay running backs, right? That's that whole argument. But regardless, Isaiah Pacheco, phenomenal, phenomenal game from him. Travis Kelsey obviously showed up, six catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown for him. Mahomes actually finished 21 of 27, 182 yards, and three touchdowns. The only reason why he was the Super Bowl MVP is because of that last game-winning drive when they marched down the field and then they were able to get a touchdown. Uh, they were able to get a field goal. Um, he was Mahomes was great. He was great. I mean, the yardage obviously is not there, but he he made the throws he had to. He made the plays he had to. He his over rushing hit too. He had like uh, 
20 something yards or 30 something yards rushing I think so he was he was doing it all he tweaked up his ankle a little bit but he was able to fight through it came out in the half he looked fine people were a little bit worried about that but uh, he ended up being okay which was nice now obviously in terms of the game the thing we have to go over is basically the deciding factor was third and eight whatever it was uh and Mahomes Overthrows Juju Smith-Schuster, but the ref calls a holding on James Bradbury, uh, and the Chiefs automatic first down. They kneel it out, and then they kick the game-winning field goal. Tough, just a really, really tough way to lose if you're the Eagles. Um, obviously, I was happy about it, but just like objectively speaking, a brutal, brutal, brutal loss for it to to happen that way, and. I've been seeing arguments on both sides of the fence. Like, one's just like, it's a hold. If it's a hold, you got to call it. And that's the way it is. And then you have other people who are like, well, there was only one pass interference called the entire game. There were no holding calls and only one pass interference. So by that logic, the refs were saying, we're not going to be the headlines here. Like, we don't want to get in the way. We're going to let them play for the most part. Um, And that's exactly what happened. But you look at the the final call, and it's like, why is that the one that they make? Because it, it wasn't like the jersey was, you know, stretched out by five feet, and you can see it. See the white jersey being grabbed at by Bradbury clear as day. It was a more subtle hold. And I know he came out and said in the post game, like, yeah, I tugged his jersey. It was a hold. Usually they let it slide. He's right. Like, usually they do let it slide. And during the course of that game, they probably were letting it slide. I can only imagine how many times Bradbury did that exact same technique on whoever he was covering during the course of that game, and it didn't get called. And now on this play, this pivotal play, it gets called. I understand why you have to be upset. I also understand that it's a holding. Like, a hold is a hold. And that's just like, it's an unfortunate, it's an unfortunate timing. It it really is. And it sucks to see such a historically great game get kind of undercut there at the end by a questionable call. Um, In the end... That was the deciding factor. Like I said, Chiefs kneeled it out, and then they kicked the game-winning field goal, and they win 38-35. to Now this brings me to the legacy of Patrick Mahomes. Five seasons as a starter, two Super Bowl wins, two Super Bowl MVPs, two NFL MVPs, five straight AFC Championship games, three Super Bowl appearances, uh, five Pro Bowls, three All-Pros, NFL Offensive Player of the Year, and 12-plus wins in every season. He could retire today, today, and be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He is already, bare minimum, the third best quarterback of all time. Like, it's just mind-boggling how incredible he's been at just 27 years old, five seasons in the league, and he has accomplished as much as anyone in the history of the NFL. He has every accolade you could possibly want as a professional quarterback. 
it's it's mind it's mind blowing. It really is to just see the level of success, the sustained success over five years, and to think that it's only been five years and he's only twenty seven years old. He has two Super Bowls already. He's been to five straight AFC Championship games. When does it end? Like in my mind, things don't start to change for the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes until either one of Andy Reid or Travis Kelsey is gone. And Kelsey is still playing great. Andy Reid, in the in one of his post games, he went to one of the desks, like the sideline media desks, and said, uh, someone said, like, you know, there are whispers that you're retiring after this. What, what do you have to say to that? And he's like, no, nah, I think I'm going to stick around. Uh, you know, so he he's not retiring. Kelsey's not going anywhere. As long as those three guys are together, they can put whatever else they need to around them, just pop and plug, and they will they will win. That's just how they're built. That's just how good Patrick Mahomes is. It's uh it's unbelievable. Like you can make a strong case that he's already the most talented quarterback of all time. I think most people who have who watch him play are on that train where it's just like he he makes everything look so simple and he makes it looks like the impossible possible. Uh so I think a lot of people honestly are on like the he's the most talented of all time train. So when you stack him against Brady and Montana, the closer he gets into accolades to those two guys, the easier the argument's going to be. But right now it's just like he doesn't have the accol- enough of the accolades. 7 Super Bowls is just like an outrageous number to hit. Um I'm not totally sold on saying Mahomes is going to get there. But if he wins like four or five, he's got a pretty good, he's got like a very, 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 very good case, you know? So it, I'm I'm just, I'm floored by what he's accomplished and, and to be able to watch him, like if you're a Chiefs fan, you wake up every day and you think, you think whatever you believe in that Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback of your football team because just to be able to watch him, it's like, it's a treat every Sunday. Like it is an absolute treat. And like I said, cuz I bet on the Chiefs. I was a, I was a big Chiefs fan on Sunday. And when they were down at halftime by 10 points to a great Eagles team, I was not worried. I wasn't worried even a little bit, which is just that's insane to think about. You know, to to say that you're not worried being down double digits to arguably the best team in the league with a great defense and a very good quarterback. You're not worried because you have Patrick Mahomes. And like I said, sometimes it just comes down to who is the better quarterback. And that is Patrick Mahomes. He's the better quarterback. Now I can go on and on about Mahomes and how great he is. We all know that. And we all saw the Chiefs win and it's great. Jalen Hurts deserves probably the most praise out of anyone in, in this entire game. He was... I said Patrick Mahomes is the better quarterback. Because he is. But Jalen Hurts was the better quarterback on the field on Sunday. Which the field, by the way, absolutely horrendous. I don't know. Everyone was slipping and sliding. The grass was trash. Both sides complained about it. It was bad. Flat out bad. Um, unacceptable, really. But Jalen Hurts was the best quarterback on Sunday. 
27 to 38, 304 yards. He had one passing touchdown and 15 carries for 70 yards and three rushing touchdowns. Four totals and over 370 yards of offense by himself. He was incredible. Just absolutely flat out incredible. Um, And his defense let him down. The entire time, the entire week, we were talking about, or the media, everyone else was talking about, the Eagles' defensive line. How is the Eagles' defensive line going to get at Patrick Mahomes? How how are they going to make him uncomfortable? Uh, Is that ankle going to hold up? How's the offensive line going to hold up for the Chiefs? Zero sacks for the Philadelphia Eagles' defensive line. Zero. And that is the single biggest stat that you can pull from this Super Bowl. Is that the Eagles were not able to take Patrick Mahomes to the ground. And he was able to sit in the pocket. I'm not saying he was totally comfortable the entire time. You know, but they didn't get his they didn't get their hands on him. And that was the factor that everyone was looking at. Everyone thought Hassan Reddick was going to be Super Bowl MVP because he was going to have a crazy day. Uh Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, like all these guys that have been uh, staples for the Eagles all year all year long. They couldn't get Patrick Mahomes on the ground. The Chiefs' offensive line did an incredible job up front of protecting their quarterback and allowing him to get through his reads and make the plays that he had to make. Uh, so that was just that's brutal. Like you know that that defense. The Chiefs put up 38 points, um, 31 offensive points, I should say. Obviously, they had the defensive touchdown, but they uh, it's not like this Eagles team was locking them down and then it it was like a, a scrappy grudge match. Like, they were giving up yards. They couldn't sack Mahomes. They were giving up the yards. They were giving up the touchdowns, uh, and the Chiefs were able to stay in it. And I had been saying, I, I think this was what a lot of people thought also and I wasn't saying it to trash talk that's not that's not what I'm saying what I, what I'm saying is the eagles have never faced a team as good as the chiefs all year and that's not trash talking saying like you know the niners were bad or the the giants were bad like they steamrolled both those teams yeah the niners had quarterback issues but at the end of the day, they were flat out better than both of them. Like, with Brock Purdy or not, with Jimmy G or not, I don't care who's the quarterback of the Niners, the Eagles were going to win that football game. They were just flat out better. So, you look at the NFC and you look what the Eagles had to go through, it wasn't much. But even though they cruised to the Super Bowl, they still showed up, at least offensively. Miles Sanders, have a day, by the way. Absolutely. I think he had 20 yards rushing. Come on, bro. That's just, that's bad. That's flat out bad. Kenneth Gainwell was better. Um, That whole standing, watching the team celebrate thing is dead now because Boston Scott did and they tried to make it a thing. Please, stop it. Uh, But Jalen Hurts, like Jalen Hurts showed up. Even when it felt like no one else did, Jalen Hurts was the guy that was trying to will his team to a Super Bowl win. 
the defense wasn't helping him. The running game wasn't helping him. Uh, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith had pretty good games. Hertz was airing it out. Like, he did everything in his power to try and will his team to a Super Bowl. And he comes out with, like, this dude... I need to say something about the Eagles as a Giants fan. It's always been easy to hate them. I don't like their fans. I never liked their team. You know, McNabb, Westbrook, T.O. T.O. on the Cowboys and the Eagles. Like, just a lot of these players disgusted me as a kid. Like, I just, I, they were so easy to hate as a Giants fan. And maybe now I'm older, you know, I'm a little bit more mature. So it's hard for me to actually like hate these teams. Like I like Dak Prescott. He's a good dude. You know, I like Tony Pollard. Um, On the Eagles, I like Jalen Hurts. I like A.J. Brown. I like James Bradbury. He's a former Giant, but... You know, they're they're just guys that it's easy to, like, root for them individually. And Jalen Hurts, no matter what fan you are, is just a guy that is easy to root for. And he comes out with bangers in the post-game press conferences. He had one the other day that he even said after he said he was like, y'all are going to love that one. And he goes, I had a purpose before everyone else had an opinion. Bar! Totally, like, what? Oh, my God. That's like... Some philosophical type stuff right there. I was It's just unbelievable. He comes out with another one after the Super Bowl. Everyone experiences different agonies of life, but you decide if you want to learn from it. I know what I'll do. Come on. How, how do you hate this guy? He's 24 years old, and he's just speaking super in a super mature manner, like deep, introspective thoughts these quotes that he's having are insane and, and just like they make him so likable and it it does hurt honestly to see him be like he's just very he's very stoic even on the sidelines every time they scored like he'd go back to the sideline he says some rah-rah stuff and then he sits down every time the camera cut to him I saw him sitting down on the bench just like staring like just locked in, dude. You know, he he's his coach I hate, Nick Sirianni. He is an easy person to hate. He's just corny, he's immature. There was a play. I don't know if people noticed this. There was the the catch that um I think it was Devontae Smith's catch that they eventually ruled incomplete. They were on the sideline and Sirianni was talking to the officials, and before they actually got confirmation, Sirianni started waving over the Chiefs to like come up and be like, yeah, it's a catch, come up here. And Jalen Hurts, as soon as he started doing it, Jalen Hurts took his arm and put it down to his side and kind of like cracked a smile like, come on, man. And Sirianni started laughing. Like, that's crazy. Your 24-year-old quarterback is more mature than you. And then... He did that, and it ended up not being ruled not a catch anyway, which was the correct call, by the way. So it it was like Jalen Hurts is more mature than Nick Sirianni. I see a lot of people who are like, yeah, Sirianni perfectly represents Philly, perfectly represents. Watch what happens 
when he starts making the wrong decisions. When he starts making the wrong decisions and the Eagles maybe don't win a game because of clock management or poor play calling or whatever, watch what happens to Nick Sirianni because I will... The heel turn that's going to happen with these Philly fans on him is going to be the quickest you've ever seen in your entire life. And they're going to realize just how unlikable he is and how his whole shtick is not going to fly when they are losing football games. Okay? I promise you. Because uh, their godsend right now is that Jalen Hurts isn't even making a million dollars. And he is the reason. If it's if it wasn't clear after last night, I don't know what you're watching, but he is the reason that they are as good as they are. And he's going to get paid. And that defense isn't going to stay as elite as it has been all year. And that rushing attack is going to look a little bit different too. So you have your window, but now that window is... You can't, I'm I'm imagining they're not going to be able to run it back with the exact same team. Some people are leaving. So, it's going to be very difficult for the Eagles to kind of maintain this core. And when Sirianni actually has to coach, we're going to see what's happening. We're going to see. Because Jalen Hurts is the man. He's more mature than his head coach. He's more likable than his head coach. And... I'm willing to admit now he's already, he's a top five quarterback in the league. I didn't have him in the top five before the playoffs, but now I do. I mean, he was just, he was sensational. He was sensational. Like, just trying to carry his team to a Super Bowl win. I respect the hell out of him, man. I really do. He is profound and wise beyond his years. He doesn't showboat. He, he doesn't talk trash. He is just like a very down-to-earth dude, and I appreciate that about him a lot, and it makes it really hard to root against him. Um, I did because of their opponent, not because of him or the Eagles in general, but because of literally the other guy who was under center on the other team, Patrick Mahomes. He is the only reason... Why I would ever bet on the Chiefs in this game. Because if it's any other opponent in the AFC, any other opponent, I really mean that, the Eagles are washing them. It's not even a, it's not even a contest. It's like, I, I truly believe in my heart, if the Eagles played any other team in the AFC, it would be like Seattle versus Denver blowout levels of Super Bowl. That's that's how we would be looking at this game today. If it was anyone but the Chiefs. But that's that's what you that's what you get. Like it's it sucks. It really does. If you're an Eagles fan, it sucks that out of everyone, you have to get already a top three quarterback of all time at 27 years old playing against you. But Jalen Hurts, he's he's been nothing short of excellent basically the entire year. Um, you know, I feel bad for him and even, you know, Patrick Mahomes came out and said on his, uh, on, on his postgame presser, like he doesn't, he respected Jalen Hurts. Like both of these guys just, 
super likable, like super humble, down to earth, really respectable dudes. Um, obviously, the first Super Bowl, uh, that was a huge storyline. The first Super Bowl ever between two black quarterbacks, historical moment, and it was a historical game, or historically great game uh, by two very, very talented individuals. Um, and Mahomes said in his post game, he was like, I don't, you know, they lost, but I don't want that. I don't want his performance to be forgotten, like in in the history in the history books. He, he, just because they lost, like he played a phenomenal game and he was he was doing everything he could possibly do for his team to win. And it's true, like it, the better team won, but the best player, the best individual player on the field. That game was Jalen Hurts, which is really, really, really saying something from where he's come from. Like everyone knows the story already, and I'm kind of beating a beating a dead horse there. But you know, to to be benched in the national championship game because he wasn't good enough, and for his backup to come in to attack of Iloa and win the game for Alabama, and then to transfer to a different school learn a whole new system, be a Heisman finalist. Like, the benching in the national championship game is grounds to never pick up a football again just on straight embarrassment. Like, to be able to recover from that and then transfer, be a Heisman finalist in a completely different school with a completely new coach, different offense, everything... Like, I remember Jalen Hurts had an interview. I forgot who it was, so I apologize for that. But he, he said, like, you know, I I learned, like, three different systems while I while I was in college, and I thrived in every single one of them. And he was he's right. He did. So it's just to do that and then to come into the NFL, second-round pick. Carson Wentz is still kind of the guy in Philly, so no one knows really why they're drafting a quarterback, especially one who is as quote-unquote raw as Jalen Hurts, and then to just make the leap that he did from last year to this year has just been sensational, Uh, and he has done everything that has been asked of him and more. On the field, off the field, he has said all the right things. He's never once looked flustered or upset, you know, disappointed, I think is a better word. Um, obviously, after a loss like this, disappointed is a good word to use. He he was disappointed in his postgame presser, but he says such inspiring things. You know, like he just, his demeanor and his mindset are just, it's honestly like beautiful. Like he, I sound like I'm in love with this man. And I'm a, like, like I'm a Giants fan, man. I'm supposed to not like him, but it's just, it's impossible. It's impossible. If, if you, if someone comes out and says, I just don't like Jalen Hurts. I don't know what it is about him. Stay away from them because they're not a good person. They're not a good human being. If you're saying that kind of stuff, you know, like he's just, he's a likable dude, man. And it, it it's, it's tough to watch people, you know, are good people suffer losses like that where obviously in the sports world like in the grand scheme of of life it's oh it's just a game yeah it is but you know people work their whole lives 
to get to this moment. And when you come up short, it's painful. Like, it's it stinks. So, Jalen Hurts, man, I just, tip of the cap is the least I can do. Like, he just, phenomenal game, phenomenal season for him. Um, The Eagles do have question marks now, though. You know, I, I talked about the Chiefs, and basically, at least in my mind, things stay the same. Nothing is changing in Kansas City until, Mah- I mean, Mahomes isn't going anywhere, obviously. But Kelsey is 33. Like, he's he's still at a good age, but obviously he's a tight end. He You know, he can't play forever. And Mahomes is only 27. So, Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid. Nothing changes in Kansas City in terms of sustained success. There aren't going to be any changes until one of those guys hangs it up. And Andy Reid, like, if you're Andy Reid, why would you want to? In my in my mind, if we're talking, like, storybook endings, Andy Reid was a guy where it was like, okay, he's playing his former team. Um, he's the all-time wins leader for the Eagles and the Chiefs, and he's playing his former team in the Super Bowl. He wins. Perfect opportunity to, like, walk off into the sunset and just hang it up. But he seems like he has no intentions of doing that. And I don't blame him. When you have a general generational talent like Patrick Mahomes, why would you want to leave prematurely? You know, if his health allows it and the passion is still there, then he's going to stay and he's going to coach. Good for him. Why not? So I mentioned all that to the Chiefs to say the Eagles have a lot of questions. Just this, These are the starters that they have this upcoming offseason that are free agents. James Bradbury. They signed him to a one-year deal after he was released by the Giants. He was an all-pro, second-team all-pro this year. Someone's throwing him the bag, okay? I don't know if it's going to be the Eagles or not, but definitely uh, he's going to get paid. Fletcher Cox. Um, Fletcher Cox brought him back on a one-year deal. Uh, He has been with the Eagles his entire career. He is a staple on that team. He was part of the championship team. I think... if I'm, I might be wrong. There are only like a handful of teams that were on that tw- handful of players that were on that 2016 championship team for the Eagles. Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, uh, Lane Johnson might have been. I I don't know how Lane old Lane Johnson is to be completely honest. But I uh, needless to say, Fletcher Cox, he was he's been with the Eagles for a while. He's been there for a while, and he is just uh, a staple to that franchise. The fans love him, but. Most likely his last season in an Eagles uniform just happened and it just ended, unfortunately. Uh, TJ Edwards, unrestricted free agent for the first time in his career. Marcus Epps, safety. Um, he was claimed off of waivers by the Vikings during the 2019 season, but this is his first chance to test free agency. Very good safety. Uh, he He's made a lot of good plays this year and he's he's shown himself that he can... He, he might get paid from somewhere. And then C.J. Gardner-Johnson, I think, is actually, the, he's the bigger of the safeties where uh, he had a hit on Juju that was, oh, wait, was it Juju? No, it was Pacheco on a run, just came flying at him, shoulder to the chest, boom, nails him, knocks him off his feet. Pacheco got the wind knocked out of him. Um, but he was a guy that the Eagles traded for from the Saints, and they picked him up, and he was a 
Huge addition to their roster. He's going to definitely get paid. Uh, Javon Hargrave, he's uh, he's turns 30 this offseason. One of the guys that had double-digit sacks. Um, so he's going to probably also get paid. <laughs> like, all these guys are getting paid. Uh, Linval Joseph, he was a rotational veteran uh, on the defensive line. But Jordan Dave, they got Jordan Davis. Like, they'll be all right there. Miles Sanders is a very interesting one. Um, he tacked over 1,200 yards this year. The first time he was a 1,000-yard rusher uh, in his entire career. Played really, really well this season. Easily the best year of his career. And now he's a free agent in a very large running back free agency. So... He could get paid. He had an absolutely dreadful performance in the Super Bowl. So that <laughs> that doesn't really help him too much. Um, and I mean, when I mean dreadful, I mean like he, this dude was barely even playing. He got seven carries for 16 yards. Seven carries for 16 yards in the Super Bowl. Uh, it, it was not, not great. <laughs> not great. So um, not a good... Note to go into the offseason for free agency. He has expressed desire to stay in Philadelphia. It just depends what he's willing to to take as, as a pay compensation, you know, because someone could overpay for him. Like, he's had a great year. Obviously, it's sketchy for any running back that goes from the best offensive line in football to literally any other scenario we've seen it how many times uh over the course of history you know one for whatever reason that sticks into my mind is DeMarco Murray just an unbelievable year with Dallas and then he left for Philly and Tennessee and he just wasn't that good with either of them so it's one of those things you know it's it's one of those things where you got to try and figure it out um but a lot of key starters for the Eagles that might not return and or you're gonna have to pay them, and then someone else is you're gonna have to either have to pay them and then risk someone else walking because you paid them, or you're gonna have to let them go and then and then risk paying someone else. And that's just the nature of football. It's very, very, very difficult to keep a core championship caliber team together because the the stars don't always align, and when they do, you have to make the most of it. And the stars align for Philly. And unfortunately, they came up short against Mahomes, but this is it. Like, now you got a lot of decisions to make. You're not going to be able to bring back the same exact team. Uh, And that's why it's hard to build dynasties in football more than probably any other sport because you have a great lineup. And you, like, for the Eagles, they have a great defensive front. That defensive front is never going to be together, most likely, ever again. Uh, So you, you just. You just got to deal with it. Yeah, I got to replace. It's hard to replace players um, of of such high caliber, and you know even role players, guys that you don't really think of, um, because maybe they're not the star of the show. But when they're gone, you miss them and you notice it, right? So it, it, things like that that are just uh, that are tough to overcome in football. Unless you have just like a spectacular talent. Like with the Chiefs, this is the third time I'm saying it, but 
they're they're incredibly lucky and blessed because they have Kelsey Mahomes, and they have arguably the greatest uh, tight end of all time, quarterback of all time, and head coach of all time. Like three guys that are in the top five of being head coaches, quarterbacks, and running back and uh, tight ends. All three of them are top five already in the history of the NFL. So as long as they're together, the outcome is more or less going to stay pretty consistent. AFC Championship game, possible Super Bowl appearance, and possible Super Bowl win. Obviously, you can't guarantee a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl win every single year, but for the Chiefs, at least since as long as Patrick Mahomes has been a starter for the past five years, you can guarantee an AFC Championship game appearance. That's just the way it's been. Um, With the Eagles, Jalen Hurts is your saving grace right now because he's a second-round pick. You have him for less than a million dollars a year. So your your window is now. Because when he gets paid, that makes everything a little bit more complicated. And make no mistake about it, he is going to get paid. I don't know if it's this offseason. I don't know if it's next offseason. But at some point in the next two years, he's getting paid. And there were some key moments in the Super Bowl that I did forget to talk about. I think one of the biggest ones in-game was Kadarius Tony's punt return that brought them inside the 10-yard line. That was spectacular. He also scored a touchdown. Him and Sky Moore actually scored the same exact touchdown inside the five. They ran like a fake slant and immediately went back out. And then uh, I think Kelsey was a a divergent and they were both just wide open in the flat touchdown walk-in for a score. And then Tony's kick return was a game-changer. An absolute game changer. It led to a quick score for the the Chiefs. And and that, I think, tied the game, I believe. So, just a really, really big time for him. I liked him, I liked him then because he helped cash my bet. But it's like Juju comes out and says, you know, I don't know how the Giants let him go or, you know, how he got on, on our team. But, you know, we're grateful it's like the dude just didn't want to play for the Giants. That It's just that simple. Um, whether he was faking an injury or not, like he also did get injured a couple times already for the Chiefs, so he didn't make an impact until the Super Bowl. But uh, yeah, obviously those were huge plays. Um, I can't go over everything. I think that was, that was something I wanted to mention. Um, oh, the halftime show. Rihanna. Mid. Very average. Very average. Uh, she's got, it's like everyone forgot Rihanna has bangers and we're like, wow, she really just has a great, disco-. You're like, yeah, man, she has great music. Uh, she hasn't put out any music in seven years, so she's a musician who's not a musician anymore. She's a mogul. She's worth like a billion dollars. Um, I'm not knocking her for that. Like, obviously, her other ventures outside of music have been really, really successful. So. Good for her. Like, more power to you. She's now pregnant with her second child. That was, like, a whole teaser thing. She's like, I'm going to have a very special guest on stage with me at the Super Bowl. And it ended up just being that she was pregnant again. Um, Second child with ASAP Rocky. People are in shambles. Uh, (laughs) um, But she, like, it was was fine. You know, like, I know they lip sync in the Super Bowl. Like, everyone does it. It would be impossible for her to go on stage and sing every single word to every single song that they just had. But... I don't know. It was. It. It seemed. It was just seemed very average. You know, not 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 anything crazy. The set. The set was kind of 
average, you know, just giant pet like uh, platforms hanging down from the from the top. And the best part was when she was by herself and singing Umbrella because it actually did sound like she was singing most of that part. So, you know, she saved her vocals, obviously, for for some of the more uh, better songs. Uh, like, they had Run This Town <laughs> the entire time. They didn't even... They, no verse from Run This Town was playing. It was just like... Hey, and hey, hey. Like, that's, that's it. She didn't sing a single word. <laughs> it was just that. And the chanting. Uh, they played all the lights. I thought that was kind of weird. I thought that was blasphemous. I mean, I know that's... Uh, like, she has a really great hook in that song. But that's a Kanye song. That's Kanye's song. Um... And and to play that was I thought I was like that was interesting and they looked like they were covered in head to toe in Yeezy also it's probably Fenty but like it, it, they looked like they were covered in Yeezy because it was just like big puffy stuff monochromatic um, uh, I don't know that that's what I got from it um, but it, it, yeah it was it was average people were going crazy for it I mean I understand Rihanna hasn't performed in like seven years. Um, but like the the Goo Goo Gaga stuff we that society has kind of done with Beyonce and Rihanna over the past week has been a bit questionable. I mean, they're both very talented musicians who just don't really make music anymore. I know Beyonce just came out with an album and it won Best Dance Techno Album, which like, okay, come on now. Um, most Grammys of all time. Can't knock her. And I'm digressing now. But basically what I'm saying is like, I don't know. They just don't do it for me. They, they, they don't. Their music isn't really like old. Rihanna hasn't put out any new new music, so that's fine. Her stuff you can go back and listen to; it's so good. She's amazing. She has so many hits. And Beyonce, I like old Beyonce. I don't really like the past like two albums she's put out have been like eh, for me. But um, regardless, average halftime. It was cool. Rihanna was back out there. She was doing it while pregnant, which makes every. I wish that information was just. Uh, out there to begin with and she didn't hide it until after because it would have kind of made more sense watching it live be like oh well she's pregnant that's why this is like this she's pregnant um instead it's like after i don't know seems weird but <laughs> regardless uh she's still super talented um i'm glad everyone was hyped up about it last year's halftime performance was better um but this one was fine. Yeah, that's all I'll say. It was average. Whatever. Halftime performances, I think, at this point have been very overrated. But uh, I have a feeling they're going to get, like, Harry Styles or something to do it uh, next next year, which would be kind of okay, I guess. I don't know. People kind of give him flack now because he won. I'm digressing. I digress. I digress. On to the NBA. We're going to the NBA. We're going to do it because uh, the NBA trade deadline was pretty it was popping. It was popping. There are not many trade deadlines that can compete with the NBA. I don't think there's really any. I think the NBA is is by far and away the best trade deadline. I really like the MLB trade deadline. It's not as globally popular, obviously, but uh, the NBA trade, trade deadline is always insane. It's always a treat, and it's always chaotic. Uh, I mean, people now, it's just Woj versus Sham, right? They're, everyone's just 
watching these two, see how who can break the most trades for that trade deadline. I think it was Woj this year. Um, but very, very, very hectic trade deadline. Some of the biggest trades, uh, obviously Kyrie to to Dallas happened, and, and uh, I think we covered that last week. But Kyrie gets shipped off to Dallas um, and is now paired with Luka Doncic. And then not two days later, Kevin Durant, in the middle of the night, 1 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, gets traded to the Phoenix Suns. A few days after, like, they traded Kyrie, and the Nets came out and said, we're not looking to trade Durant. 48 hours later, they trade Durant to the Suns, who were in rumors last year that that was a team that he would want to be traded to, should he be traded. So, uh, Joe Sy apparently went out of his way to not trade Kyrie to the Los Angeles Lakers because that was, quote-unquote, his preferred destination. Uh, But with Kevin Durant, there was no hard feelings, so he traded him to the Phoenix Suns for four four first-round draft picks and Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson. So, obviously, for the Nets, there's really, like, no sense of direction at all. They got Dinwiddie and uh, Dorian Fitty-Smith and I think two firsts for Kyrie and Markeith Morris. Now they're they're sitting on they're sitting on a bunch of picks that aren't theirs, right? Because they traded all their picks and pick swaps to Houston, basically, for like the foreseeable future. Now they've replaced those picks with the picks of the Suns and the Mavericks, who are going to be good. Like those team, those picks aren't going to be like guaranteed lottery picks or top ten picks, top five picks. Doesn't matter. They're going to be like low to mid twenties uh, draft picks. They're not going to be super valuable. And you didn't come away with any bona fide piece that you can be like, all right, this guy is what we're going to build around. I love Mikael Bridges. I kind of hope he's got, he gets to the Knicks somehow because we just got Brunson and, and Josh Hart. So just. Bring back Villanova basketball onto the New York Knicks would be sensational. Um, But Mikael Bridges is very good, and I like him a lot. But him being the best player you get out of trading two superstars like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant is not great. And again, you have pick swaps and draft picks and stuff that aren't yours, so you still have to find a way to be somewhat competitive. Because if you tank then these other teams are going to get your bad draft pick. Uh, or your really good draft pick, I should say, if you do bad. So you got to be able to stay competitive and, and play hard because you, you can't outright tank because you don't own your draft picks. So there's really no point in doing that. Um, so I have, I just really have no idea where, where the Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, go from here. It's just, it's a very confusing situation for them. Um, And then if you look on the other ends, Dallas and Phoenix, like Phoenix automatically becomes the the favorite to win the title in the West, in my opinion. I mean, uh, Booker, CP3, and Durant, Aiton's having a great year. It's, I think Mikael Bridges, they're going to miss him a little bit more than they realize, but uh, you know, you got Kevin Durant and even Mikael Bridges, poor guy that he is, in his press conference, he's like, you know, I miss my friends and, and people that, you know, all, all the people that I, I know over there in Phoenix, and, and I loved it there, but he's like, it's Kevin Durant. I get it. Like, you know, I, I would have done it too. <laughs> he's like, there, if it was for anyone else, I would be like, ah, I don't know. I'm a little upset, but like, it's Kevin Durant. 
so like Mikhail Bridges is just a total champ about it. Um, they come out, he comes out in his first game as the net, and they beat the Sixers, which was nice. But that trade was maybe one of the biggest trades in NBA history. Um, just like the caliber of player to a team that was already good. I know, obviously, if, even if the Suns win, there's going to be people who are like, well, Durant didn't earn it by himself. Booker couldn't do it by himself. Blah, 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 blah. Those people are such losers, bro. I'm so sick of like, he had to join a super team to win. Everyone has a super team to win, you morons. It, it just pisses me off. That that argument is so dumb and so like antiquated. It makes no sense. Like, Dirk Nowitzki's the only one in the history of the NBA to not be on a super team and win a championship. He's the only one. Maybe the Rockets were like Hakeem Olajuwon. Maybe. Maybe. But Dirk is like, he's the only one. And like, yeah, he had Jason Kidd, who's a Hall of Famer. But he had like back of back at end of his career Jason Kidd. He didn't have like, I'm a walking triple-double Jason Kidd, okay? He had older less athletic point guard, Jason Kidd. It's not the same. So outside of him, it was basically just Dirk being like, I'm not, I'm I'm going to win. Like, I'm, I'm going to make every single shot I take and I'm going to will us to victory. And he ran the gauntlet in that, in that, uh, that postseason too. Ran the gauntlet. He took out Kobe. He took out, uh, who else he take out? He took out the Thunder, Durant and the Thunder, and I don't remember who who was the first round. Took out someone else. Who am I forgetting? The Suns? What is the Suns? That doesn't sound right. 2013? Ugh, doesn't matter. I'm not wasting my time thinking about it. But regardless, he ran the gauntlet, and then he beat the Heat in the finals. Like, it's Dirk is the only one. Everyone else has had some type of super team around them. Whether it's three players, two players, whatever. It, it doesn't matter. They, Everyone has had a super team. Whether they signed free agents, they drafted everybody, uh, it acquired via trade. You know, the Celtics with KG and Ray Allen was through a trade. The Warriors dynasty was built through the draft, and then they signed Kevin Durant. The Heat signed Bosh and James. Like, ew, James, that sounded wrong. LeBron and Bosh, right? They... This is how it goes. This is how it goes. The Lakers drafted Kobe and then they traded for Shaq. <laughs> like, what? Or they drafted... I, I think they signed Shaq as a free agent. But the Heat, when the Heat won, they, got, they traded for Shaq to come down to South Beach with Dwayne Wade. In some way, shape, or form, everyone has had a super team. It's not a new concept. I'm digressing. The rest of the trade deadline... Uh, Durant and the Suns, automatic finals favorite. Right now, as it stands, I believe the, the Mavericks and the Suns would play each other in the first round of the playoffs. Um, and you got to think, even if it's not in the first round, at some point, they are going to play each other in the playoffs. And it's going to be an unbelievable rematch and Kyrie and KD against each other as well. So the Luka-Kyrie trade... I like it. I know people are like, well, there's only one ball, right? Because they're both two very ball-dominant players, but they'll be fine. Um, and I now, you know, I definitely talked about this last week. 
Durant with the Suns is going to be fine. I think they have the best mid-range game of all time. <laughs> Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant. Like, the best mid-range trio of all time on one team. I'm not saying them individually are like that. Okay, whatever. You guys get it. But Josh Hart to the Knicks. Loved this move. Loved it. Uh, he Josh Hart plays hard. He hits threes, plays defense, and he is a very underrated rebounder as a guard. He he's he's exactly what the Knicks needed. Um, I, I like this doesn't make them a title contender or anything like that. Uh, I, I just don't think they're they're just simply not talented enough to to beat some of these other teams. Um, but it makes them a very good team. It makes them a, a better team, and they were one of uh, the winners. Of the deadline, I did write a blog for uh, Animal House uh, USA. If you want to go check it out, it's on our website. And it's just winners and losers from the trade deadline. I like the Knicks. I thought they were winners. Again, it doesn't move the needle much for them, but it does make them a better team. Uh, Phoenix Suns, Durant, huge win. Uh, the Dallas Mavericks, they got Kyrie, big win. Milwaukee, small move, but they got Jay Crowder, who has been completely unhappy in Phoenix his entire year. He hasn't played a single game. He finds his way onto another championship contending team. So the Bucs get another 3 and D guy. That's a good pickup for them. The Clippers, low-key, winners at, at the trade deadline. They get rid of Reggie Jackson, who I think who's getting bought out by Charlotte. Um... But they land Eric Gordon and three second-round picks in a three-way deal that sent uh, between the Rockets and Grizzlies. Gordon got out of Houston. John Wall got shipped back. He's getting bought out by the Rockets. And then for some reason, this one scratched my head, Bones Highland got traded from the Nuggets to the Clippers. I have no idea why he got traded. He seemed to be really fitting in there in their scheme and stuff, but apparently there might have been some beef between him and Jamal Murray. So... The, the Nuggets decide to uh, to get rid of him, which, I mean, they can't get rid of Jamal Murray, and obviously you you would take uh, <laughs> you would take Jamal Murray over Bones Highland. But still, like he was a good rotational piece, but I guess there was just some drama brewing. Uh, and the Lakers, huge winners at the deadline. I mentioned, um, did I mention? No, I didn't mention yet. The D'Angelo Russell trade, uh, so they traded, they had a three-way trade. With the Timberwolves and the Jazz, in which the Lakers got D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt, and Mike Conley and picks, sec, couple second round picks went to the Timberwolves, and Russell Westbrook and a Los Angeles first round pick went to the Jazz, and the Jazz are going to uh, also probably buy out Russell Westbrook, and then the Lakers also shipped off Patrick Beverly to Orlando for Mo Bamba because uh, the Magic just had so many front court players. So they get Mo Bamba basically for free. Sorry, Pat. Pat Bev. That sucks going from L.A. to my, the, the Lakers to the Magic. That sucks. But um, So they get rid of Russ Brook. They get rid of uh, Patrick Beverly. And now they have a flurry of younger talent, guys who can shoot, guys who can create their own shot. D'Angelo Russell, even if he's inconsistent, he's good with the ball. He could be a true point guard, dish it out, and he can shoot. Jared Vanderbilt, he can shoot a little, but he's primarily known for his defense. Um, 
And then Malik Beasley can stroke it from three. He's like, he basically shoots exclusively from three, actually. So big, big, big time pickups for the Lakers. And it kind of changes the dynamic of their team. What matters now is, do they have enough time to make up the ground that they had to make up? They had maybe their signature win on Saturday. Uh, a game in which Anthony Davis played horribly, and he played 36 minutes, was 5 of 19, and scored just 13 points, grabbed 16 rebounds. But the newly acquired guys did a lot of the heavy lifting, and they ended up winning 109-103 to 103 against the Warriors in Golden State. Uh, Hashimura played great. He had 16 points. Dennis Schroeder has been on fire, 26. D'Lo had 15, 6, and 5. Vanderbilt had 12 off the bench. Um, they got... When Gabriel had six, Beasley had four, Reeves had eight, Walker had four. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's like they really stepped up on a slow night from Anthony Davis. No LeBron James. So that that's a big time win for them. And they have to just be able to keep that momentum going. Keep it, keep it going. Because uh, every, basically every win matters now. Um, they're like the 13th seed. They're 26 and 31. So they gotta they gotta step it up for sure, but I think they put themselves in a really good position. Uh, losers of the NBA trade deadline: the Miami Heat reports that Pat Riley was sleeping on the job, but for the second straight year in a row, they do not get Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo any help. No big trades made. Not good. Heat fans are disgusted. They feel like they are wasting away Jimmy Butler, who is now 33 years old. Bam Adebayo is still young at 25, but uh, Jimmy Butler is not getting any younger. And you're not making any trades to make you a title contender. And don't make no mistake about it. The Heat, as they are currently constructed, are like one piece away. Like they've made it to the finals with this core. They they've made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and the, and the regular finals. So like. If you just get them another piece, they could win a championship. They have that capability, and it just hasn't happened for whatever reason. Um, the Raptors. So Masai Ujiri said that he's comfortable with like the guys that are there. He has faith in his players to like go out, compete, get to the playoffs, play in the play, like play hard in the playoffs, maybe win a series. I don't have as much trust in him and in these players as he does, but they were there were talks that they were going to be sellers. For weeks, they were going to trade Ananobi. Uh, if the price was right, they would trade Siakam. They didn't trade either of them. Instead, they got Jakob Pertle from the Spurs. Uh, so they were actually small buyers instead of sellers. And I just don't think they're that good. Um, unfortunately, it, it's just it's not working out. So they're going to have to deal with a lot of that in the offseason. But for now, they're kind of sticking with what they have instead of being sellers, which... I get to a degree. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets. you Like I said, I mentioned them. They're losers in the trade deadline because they got rid of two, one top five player and and one top ten player. So two top ten players overall. Uh, for a couple of wings, they are now overloaded with wings on that team. And no clear path forward to sustain success. Um, they they tried to go all in with Durant and Kyrie and then James Harden, and it didn't work out. And now they are grasping at straws. Like, they're reaching for the life vest. 
the lifeboat. They're trying to find some way to survive because everything is just, they don't own any of their draft picks. They have no key figurehead on that team that can lead them forward. As you know, as much as high as I am on on some of the guys that they got, at minimum, at best, Mikael Bridges is the best player you got in any of those deals, and at best, he's a third option on a championship team. At best, depending on who the other two guys are, because he could even be a fourth option on a championship team, and like that's not great, obviously. <laughs> uh, but we'll see. I I, I just I don't, I don't think the Nets have any clear idea about how they want to proceed uh and the final loser of the trade deadline the memphis grizzlies because john morant has been talking a lot of shit and has not been able to back it up um they went on a big losing streak they had he had that sit down interview with malika andrews where he was just like no we're fine in the west i'm not worried about anyone in the west we're fine in the west and then what happens Kyrie shows up durant shows up the Lakers get reinforcements. Any three of those teams see the, the Grizzlies in the playoffs, and the Grizzlies are getting stomped. Uh, the only thing the Grizzlies did all, uh, they were they were part of that Clippers trade, and they got Luke Kennard, which doesn't really move the needle for me, for the Grizzlies. Um, but they could lose very easily to a lot of teams in the playoffs. Like a lot, a lot of teams in the West in the playoffs could beat them. So, yeah, John Morant, you are not fine in the West. And I know there's a whole lot of other stuff. I'm not going to get into it, but there's a whole lot of other stuff going on with him. Like, he thinks he's a gangster and all that kind of stuff that people aren't really happy about that he's that he's dealing with. He has refuted all that kind of stuff, saying he's just being him, whatever. But, like, Shannon Sharp went on a tirade. He's like, you not like that. Stop. Like, you're, you are not built like that. Everyone knows it. So stop. Sauce Gardner even chimed in and was like, if you're from the streets, people know you're from the streets. But once you make it, that's it. Like some people work their entire lives to get to the league and not and are not gangster, and that's fine because you work your whole life for that. But you're not supposed to go backwards. Like if you're from the streets, people know you're from the streets. And then once you make it, you're not supposed to really be about that life anymore. Like that's you know, you're not supposed to go backwards. You're not supposed to be in a nice, you know, a nice grown up stable family all that kind of all that white picket fence stuff and then suddenly when you make it to the league which was your lifelong goal now you want to act tough and act like you're you're from the streets like that and money doesn't change you that's not how that that's not how it works (laughs) like what are you doing dude you're making yourself look silly and i i know and then one of the teams i I forgot if it was dylan brooks or, or morant came out and said like yeah, they're the villains of the NBA. Like, if you see on social media, it's very clear that they're the villains of the NBA. Like, no shit, you guys are intolerable. You're so obnoxious and annoying. You act like you've won a lot before, and you haven't won anything. You've won, like, one playoff series. Uh, so there's there's nothing to look at that team and be like, well, this is why they have a reason to be so cocky. There's no reason at all for them to be cocky. Not a one. Not a one. They they might they might lose in the first round this year. I'm not even I'm not even playing even a little bit. They might lose in the first round this year. They're not that good. Oh okay. That's that. <laughs> the NBA trade deadline. Uh, I'm very excited to see how the rest of the NBA season shapes up. Uh, we're approaching the All Star break, 
actually, uh, within, I think it's this weekend, right? So, All-Star Game, that's always fun to watch. A lot of reserves. Uh, I think, did Jalen Brunson make an All-Star team? Or did he not get in a reserve spot? But my guy De'Aaron Fox on my Sacramento Kings, for people who have been around. De'Aaron Fox, probably made. Uh, he finally made an All-Star team. He got snubbed, and then he got in as a reserve, um, or a replacement. But that's okay. We'll take it. So... I'm I'm excited for the All-Star game and I'm excited to see how the rest of the season shapes up. Uh we're going to be talking more basketball. Believe it or not, pitchers and catchers report soon <laughs> for baseball. That's pretty insane. But I think we'll wrap up this uh bittersweet episode of from my point of view. Uh, oh, Derek Carr. Derek Carr just declined to be traded because he doesn't want to give the Raiders anything. So they're going to cut him, and he's going to sign with whoever he wants. So that's something to keep an eye out on. Uh, and we're, we're going we're gonna to keep tabs on where Derek Carr lands. Aaron Rodgers is another one, too. He said he was going on some weird retreat in a cave, small, dark like house or cave or whatever, and then he's going to emerge and have an answer. I don't know. He's, he's doing some hippie voodoo stuff. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on in that dude's head, but more power to you, man, as long as you're happy, right? So... That'll do it for this episode from my point of view. A, a bittersweet Monday. Football is officially over, but we got a great Super Bowl. It was a great time. Um, thank you all for listening and for keeping up with me all football season. We're on to basketball and then eventually baseball and then just sports in general. Maybe we'll broaden the horizons, get back into pop culture stuff. Oh, Ant-Man. The Flash trailer. The Flash trailer was pretty cool. They had Michael Keaton say, I'm Batman. That was awesome. But I know Ezra Miller is kind of a bad person, but uh, the movie looks pretty good, at least. And according to James Gunn, it, it doesn't really mean anything going forward because it resets everything in in his DC universe. So that's cool, too. Um, Ant-Man. I'm going to see it on Friday. So we'll have an Ant-Man review on, uh, on Tuesday next week. So thank you all for listening. I appreciate you as always. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you all next Tuesday.